Uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is a, it's, it's a great trip, and I wish we all could go. And I know there's a lot of people who said they wish they had, could have gone, but it just didn't work into the schedule this time. You know, this church has a great legacy of, of that kind of work, of doing, doing things that people can't do for themselves. And you know how it is in our own houses when we get a little bit behind on things and how discouraging that can be. But then for a ministry, it can really be discouraging, and this can really give them a big shot in the arm. So we're excited to do it. And we'll get to do a couple, a couple kids' services for the, some of the kids that are there in the orphanage as well. So that'll be, that'll be fun. And we just pray that pray for us that we would be an encouragement to them. That's, that's really our biggest goal, and that we get uh, you know, a God-sized job done. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. It's an honor to speak with you tonight. I, um, I loved Pastor Nick's sermon last week, so I thought I would just re-preach it. Where is he at? No, I'm kidding. But I did put up here the uh, logo. Well, you know who that is, right? You all know who that is? Do you remember the theme that he started off with last week? What did he say? It was the theme of Transformers, of the cartoon, really. What was it? More than meets the eye, right? More than meets the eye. And as I was praying about this service tonight, I, uh, in my, my Bible reading, I was reading in uh, Colossians chapter 3. And it was one of those times where, and I'm sure you have this happen to you from time to time, where as I was reading the scripture there in Colossians chapter 3, it was as if I'd never read it before. And God was speaking to me in a way that I had never seen in that scripture before. And I wasn't putting two and two together with what, what Nick had preached last week. I apologize to Nick for that. I wasn't thinking that. What it was is God was speaking to me out of this portion of scripture in a way that, again, I, I'm telling you, I'd never read it that way before. And I was just completely arrested. And I wasn't seeing more than meets the eye. Here's what I was seeing is The Walking Dead. And I've never seen this, this show or I'm not really a fan of zombie, the zombie genre, really. I know some people are, but I, I, I'm not personally. But here's the thing that just got me. I, I was, as I was reading that, that for those first few verses of Colossians chapter 3, all I could think of was today's modern kind of fascination with the undead. Now, maybe you're not even familiar with that genre at all, and, and I, you know, let me just tell you what I'm talking about here. There is, there is this phenomenon, and maybe you've even experienced it, obviously not the whole Walking Dead Undead thing, but here's the thing. We live in a life, and you live your life, and there's times where you feel more fully alive than other times. You know what I'm talking about? It can be a lot of things that spark that in you. It can be the excitement of a new activity or anticipation of something that you've really wanted to do or, or meeting somebody. I mean, there's so many things that spark that in you. For some people, it could be a special meal. I mean, there are so many things in our world that give you that, that glimpse of life that's beyond this life. But here's the thing. In the spirit, there's a lot of people who are, have no idea what it really means to be alive. They think they're alive. And what they're really doing is they're literally walking around dead. That's where this undead thing gets to me. They are dead, and they're everywhere. And they're literally infecting everybody who is alive. But they're walking around, and they don't have any idea of what it really means to be alive. And you try to tell them, but they can't even grasp it, and they don't understand what it means because they haven't experienced what you've experienced. It's as if you've tapped into a power source that they've never experienced before. It's like when you've gone to a trip, or maybe you've had an experience, and then you try to share it with somebody. It could be with your husband or wife, someone that's closest to you. And as you try to share it with them, you can just see in their eyes, they're not getting it. And you want them to have that thrill that you had and the excitement that you had with what you experienced, but it's not getting communicated. And you get frustrated, and you think, oh, man, and what do you say? 
You just had to be there. You just had to be there. And there's an entire world that's walking around us and they have no idea what you experience in Christ day to day. They have no idea the freedom from sin that you offer and they think they're alive when they're walking in their sin, just like you used to do. They think that's life. I didn't live a sheltered life growing up. I went to public school, had a lot of friends, didn't live a sheltered life. And I remember so many times trying to talk to my friends about Christ, and all they could see was the, but you don't get to do this or that. All they saw Christianity as is, was what we couldn't do. And I, I would try to explain to them, no, 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 you don't understand. It's, it's about life. It's about this. It's about this. And then even in high school, I had friends who, who, who died, you know, stupid deaths when they were partying or whatever. And I remember being at one of the funerals, you know, you know, you guys know how sad it is to go to a high school funeral. Now, as a minister, I've done those. That's, that's my least favorite thing in the ministry to do, honestly. The worst thing in the world to do. You look at somebody who's even in, in the coffin, they're, they look like they're full of, they look like the picture of health. They thought they were living. I remember sitting in one of those funerals once in high school and shaking my head because, you know, every person who comes up, they mean well and they just keep talking about how great a guy he was and, he lived life to the fullest. I'm thinking, yeah, he did, right up until he killed himself. He was dead, and he didn't even know it. He didn't even know what real life was. He missed it entirely. Quite a few years ago, a movie series came out called The Matrix, and, and um, um, I remember watching it for the first time. I remember sitting there thinking, you know, if you could take away all the stuff of the movie that was maybe violent or whatever, you're, you're watching really a definition of the same thing. Now, if you've never seen this, I'll give you a quick primer on, on it. What, what it was is, you know, way in the future, and machines, computers had taken over the world, but they needed power. So the way they powered themselves was by human beings. The, the energy that we create, we just generate as being alive. So they would have human beings in these little capsules, and they would draw the power off us, and then the computer had created this entire world, a matrix, if you will, of what the world was, and that they would feed that into our imagination. So they would give human beings memories and imaginations, and then in your mind, you're living what you think is real life. But what was real was you were just basically a body that was providing energy for this entire computer matrix. Isn't that just a picture of the same thing I'm talking about? The world walks around, and they have no idea that they're just plugged into a false system of reality, a false system of pleasure that gives them that moment's glimpse of what life could be or that moment's glimpse of what it means to be plugged into the Almighty God. Then they have this aching emptiness afterward. And they wake up and they wonder, is this all it is? And then to deaden that pain, they just go back to what they were into, the thing that gave them pleasure or escape or whatever that was. And I'm not talking just about alcohol or drugs. It could be so many other things. It could be pleasure. It could be, I mean, there's just so many things that humans use to medicate ourselves. But that's what we do over and over and over and over and over and over. So look with me, if you will, at this portion of Scripture that just became alive to me in a new way for the first time. This is out of the New Living Translation, so it may not be as familiar to you if you've grown up using that new, or new NIV or King James or whatever, but since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. 
Let me, let me take you where I was when this made me pull over in my car and just start reading it over and over and over. Did it really say that? The next two verses say, think about the things of heaven. Well, let me go back. Let me go back. So I'm sorry. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, let's dwell on that for a minute. Have you been raised with new life in Christ? Because maybe I'm standing here and it sounds like, you know, some crazy man talking. And you're thinking, man, he's awful excited about something, but I don't get it. And if that's you, no offense, but you're probably dead and you don't get it because you haven't experienced it yet. When this verse right here says a new life with Christ, that's what it means. And maybe some of us, maybe some of us have been walking with Christ so long that the new life is old now because it's been, it was new a long time ago. And you need a new injection of what that new life is all about. And maybe you're sitting here and saying, God, yeah, I'm not quite as excited about it as I was maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. That's okay, but he offers new excitement. The thing is, you've been raised to a new life, raised from death to a new life. Now, there's a lot of meaning in there that's, that's deeper than just the superficial things. I'm, I'm literally talking about a spiritual death that you were in. You were dead in your sins, and he's raised you to a new life. You no longer have that pallor of death and that smell of the grave that follows you around knowing that you are going nowhere but to the end. You have a life that's with Christ, that's raised to the heavenlies, that is eternal, that starts now and lasts forever if you're a Christian, if that's true for you. You've been raised to new life with Christ. And here's the part that just got me so big. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Because most of us don't live like that. Most of us walk in that dead place, or at least around dead people, and our sights are usually set on earthly things that will not last. And we get really upset and uptight about things. It's not that they're not important. you got to hear me here, because I'm not saying that nothing in life's important. I'm not saying that. I'm not an escapist, and I'm not somebody that denies the realities of life. What I'm saying is we make them bigger than they are. We make them as if they're everything, and they are not the realities. What Paul is telling us here is that we need to set our sights on what is actually real, the real realness. What we think is real a lot of times is just temporary. You know, it's, it's silly. I, I should have put this picture on here because I was driving on the freeway, and I've seen the most amazing things since I've lived in Missouri. I thought I saw cool things, you know, in Minnesota, but living in Missouri, literally, I was driving on the freeway, and I'm going to tell you, anyway, I took a picture of them on the freeway, but... As I'm on the freeway, there was this massive motorhome, one of the biggest I've ever seen. It was beautiful. It looked like it was brand new. It was one of those where, you know, it shines and you can almost see depth in the paint job. It's incredible. And it was huge. It was as big as a semi. It was so huge. But it was towing a brand new truck, a brand new quad cab, huge truck. Do you know how much those cost? Do you know how much those cost? Brand new. And in the truck... Are you following me here? In the back of the truck was a golf cart, brand new. (laughs) And I'm looking at that thinking, wow, wow. I'll just take the middle one. That's all I need, just that middle one of that. Yeah, I was just blown away. I was just like, oh, my gosh. And I tried to speed up real quick, and I couldn't get it. You know, normally, I just wanted to see. You know, you never do that? I just want to see who's driving this. I just want to see what they look like. And I don't know what I'm expecting because I'm never, I'm never, it never is what I expect. And I don't know what I expected, really, but I drove up, and it, it just, well, I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't what I expected. But here's the thing. I, I just had to put that picture on Facebook because it was just amazing. And then somebody, I don't remember who said this, one of my friends said something about it, it'll burn. You know, and I, 
I appreciated the sentiment. I get it. I wasn't trying to be like negative and like it'll burn and this guy's selfish. And I, I wasn't even saying that. I was just saying, oh my gosh, that's all I was saying. But he said, it'll burn. And you know what? He's right. It's true. I mean, I'm not trying to be, you know, super like, uh, like nothing matters. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that so often our world and all of our reality is focused on things that will not last, that's not intended. We were created for, for eternity, but we live so much of our lives in the mundane deadness of our world, and we forget that this lasts forever, and there's more to this. There's a life in Christ that is above all of this, and that's where we need our sights set on. That's what we're supposed to have our sights set on. And then it, he, he finishes this phrase, and he says, where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Here's the thing. Yes, we had a lot of prayer requests coming to the office today, ones that shake you to your core at times. You know, I was talking to, I'll just say it, I mean, Gene, I was talking to Gene on the phone, and he starts crying because of the, the possible reality that his wife has cancer. He couldn't even finish talking. That's real. But you know what else is real? Even more real than that, that Jesus sits on the throne and, and whether, whether she meets him sooner than later or not, that's still the reality that's, that's more real than the other reality. Do you see that? I mean, I didn't tell Gene that today because he's, he's hurting and we're praying and we're believing God's going to heal her. And I trust that he will. But my point is that there are more real things than even that. Because Jesus sets at the right hand of the Father and that's what's real. You know, do the, do the events in the Middle East scare me? Yeah. Yeah, they do. It's a powder keg. And I was reminded yesterday, uh, the men's group, we were watching a video, and Pastor, I got a mental block. What's, what's his name that was on the video again? Chuck Colson is on there. And so he's talking about all the events of the Nixon, you know, the, all of that in 73. And, and I was trying to think, man, I remember all that going down. I was like, you know, 11. And um, the, the Middle East was a powder keg then. Do you remember? Anybody else remember? It's always going to be that way, I think, until it's over. And that's not the ultimate reality. Yes, that's a reality. Yes, you know, Muslim terrorists flew planes into the world train. Uh, Yes. And yes, bad things can happen here tomorrow. But the ultimate reality that Christ wants us to set our eyes on is the fact that he sits at the throne. That is the ultimate reality. That is more real than anything else we're seeing today. Let me, let's go on and look at the rest of these things. He says in verse number, that's just verse one. See why I had to pull over? I was just freaking out. Then the next thing it says, think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. I love how Paul does this for us. He'll give us most often a principle and then he'll say, let me break it down for you. This is what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to do it. He literally tells us here, and I'm reminded of Philippians chapter four, you know, that whole section six to eight where he says, don't be worried about anything. Instead, pray about everything and by prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God. Then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind, which is what we need in crisis, right? We need our heart and mind guarded. And then he says, instead, think on these things, whatever's good, perfect, beautiful, right? And then he says the same thing here in Colossians. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. And here's the kicker. For you died to this life. And your real life, the real thing, the thing that's most real is in heaven with God, hidden in Christ with God. Wow. That's where I want to live. That's where I want my life to be. 
Now, does it matter that I've got things going on and my kids need this and that? Yes, all of that matters. But this matters more. And when I have this perspective of life, then those other things, I can deal with those better. Because I'm not, I'm not freaking out about every little detail in life because I know that this is more real than this. That is more real than this. Let's look at what it says next. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden in, in, with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, love how Paul does this. He keeps reminding us because he knows we're a little thick. We're a little slow to get it. And he says, when Christ, who is your life, remember he's your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. You will share in all his glory. All his glory. (laughs) How do you do this? How do you do that? It's one thing for Paul to say, do this, think about those things. It's another thing to do it, especially when, when things happen. You know, people, um, there's been times in my life where somebody will say, wow, you don't seem upset about this thing. And I'm kind of looking at them like, well, you've not lived my life. This is nothing compared to other things I've walked through before. Sometimes we need to be reminded about what he's done for us in the past. But Paul does us one better here. And this may be like against the rules in church, but we're going to actually read what Paul says. Believe me, I would prefer to preach them, but I can't preach better than he writes them here. Listen to this. How do you do this? How do you remember that your life is really in Christ and all that? He tells you exactly what to do. Look at what he says. It's it's pretty incredible. Let's read it together. Well, let's just, let me read it and you listen. So put to death the sinful earthly earthly things lurking within you. (laughs) And then he explains it. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person as an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. You used to do these things when your life was part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. And don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Instead, put on your new nature Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Man, I love that. Put on your new nature as you learn to know your creator and become like him. It's a process. You may be sitting here and like me say, God, you've got to be so disappointed in me. I mean, look, I've known you for this long. I've walked this far and yet I still stumble in these areas. And it's a process and he knows that. He knows that we need to grow into this. Learn. That's why he says learn. Be renewed. Learn to know your creator and become like him. It's a process we walk through. And he's not done. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. All of us. I want to get to the point in my life where I can say Christ is all that matters. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. He's not even done. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, don't you love it? He just said, stop lying and cheating and lusting. And remember he said that a minute ago about us? Then he calls us holy people. Is he schizophrenic? No. No, he knows it's a process. And he knows that the holiness that we walk in is not us and it's not of ourselves. 
It's because Christ lives in us and that, can, that helps make us holy. He walks in us and it's a process we go through. Since you chose to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. So I love it. He says, stop doing this stuff, do this stuff. Clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you, especially if it's Pastor Dennis. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. <clears throat> God forgave you, so you have to forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Again, reminiscent of Philippians 4, right? You do all this, then the peace of Christ should rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And finally, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. See what I'm saying? How do you preach that any better than he wrote it? He wrote what we're supposed to do. Now, here's the thing. I know that most of us are walking still in this half-alive place because that's who we are. We want to be fully alive, and I want you to be fully alive. And on my best days, I am. But on those other days, I need him to redo me. I need him to be Christ in me. I need him to remake himself in me. I need his holiness to push out my unholiness. I need to ask forgiveness for the things that I know where I'm not measuring up. And I need to intention once again to live like I know I should be living. So we're going to give you a chance to do that as we close tonight. Our closing time tonight is going to be a time for us to pray, for you to pray, for you to come and pray and to find a place of prayer and find that place in him that you need to be. If you're sitting here and you're wondering and thinking, I mean, hopefully none of us are doing this. We're thinking, well, I know some walking dead people. I'm talking about us tonight. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you in him? Are there things that need to be changed? Is there more of him that needs to be living from within you toward without you? Because I know there is in me. I just want to invite you to spend some time with him tonight. So, so,